okay, I'm hungry. If there's a person that I could probably kill, yeah, I'm gonna eat that person. Welcome to This Myth Again, the show where we talk about myths, legends, supernatural beings, and conspiracy theories. I'm Kim. And I'm Jill. What are we talking about this week, Kim? Well, Jill, we're talking about the same thing we talk about every week, how to take over the world. Oh, I'm not prepared for this. Well, what what did you get prepared for? I got prepared for Bigfoot. Oh, well, no, no, that's totally part of it. That's like a sub- part of the take over the world oh, plan. oh okay okay i got you it. know sometimes i really feel like you're just leaving me to do this plan all by myself i feel very alone now you know i i work on it in in the background but i just have so many priorities and apparently taking over the world is not one of them well fine you know what fuck it 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 was my idea but if you're not gonna take it seriously let's just talk about bigfoot okay let's let's do that for now fine so i bought the wine for this episode. Are you... I am excited to finally see what it is because, okay, she has been keeping this wine a secret from me for the whole week. It's been so hard and it's so... I'm so excited about it. And what's disturbing is it... Okay, so it's sitting underneath a piece of cloth in the middle of our table and it's a box, I am very not boxed wine. I am very confused and curious. So, I went a little bit... I'm going to tell you a little bit why I chose this one. I went a little bit different because I didn't think I was going to be able to find a bottle of wine that just said Bigfoot wine. I mean, There is I, a barefoot wine. That's not the same, though. <laughs> and I really wanted to hit it either on the nose or just do my own thing. So, I went with a wine... That I felt would encompass the flavors of Bigfoot. Have you tasted him? (laughs) I've licked his elbow. Okay, so this wine tastes like Bigfoot's elbow. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm gonna uncover it. Are you ready for this? I am ready for this big reveal. Okay, here we go. Wow. (laughs) Holy crap. (laughs) So we have a box... It is a box of red wine. It is a box, but it's not a boxed wine. It's it, called Infinite Monkey Theorem. Okay, okay, I will give you that. It's pretty perfect. Pretty perfect. Um, it is a red blend. The Infinite Monkey Theorem pretty much states that given an infinite amount of time and a typewriter, a monkey could write the entire works of Shakespeare. Uh... Okay, I'm going to go with it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, eventually event- they'll type out the wrong sequence of keys in the right way. And Okay, okay, I can, I can see that. But like I said, it's not a box of wine. It's canned wine. Canned wine. I've never heard of that before. <gasps> I found it at the Does store. Does wine taste better when it comes in a can? I don't know. I've never, tr- I've never tried it. But I do have a description here for you. Can I read that? Are you also going to read what's on the box? Eventually, yeah. Okay. So, a combination of raisin, tobacco, and portobello mushroom fill the nose. 
Yet palate is filled with black cherry and vanilla. Robust tannins help give this wine an almost gamey note. That sounds gross. <laughs> <laughs> yep, so we're going to taste the flavors of Bigfoot tonight. Are you ready? Apparently the flavors of Bigfoot is raisins, tobacco, and portobello mushrooms. You know, and a gamey note. I love the gamey, gamey note. I could understand. Yeah, um, so there's four cans in here. It's... I guess I don't need my fancy wine glass, then. Oh, no, I'm st- I'm still gonna open it and fill my wine glass. Don't worry oh, about okay, that. Oh, okay, so we're not drinking it straight out of the can. I'm not, I'm, I'm not a Neanderthal. What are you... <laughs> <laughs> I actually like these cans. So, it, the can basically looks like Planet of the Apes, except the ape's eyes are a bunch of triangles within triangles like infinite it's the, triangles uh, yeah it's infinite triangle theory or infinite triangle symbol and it says drink anywhere so i i guess this trumps any legal problems you might have drinking in public so you ready for that pop sound okay wait let's do this on the count of three. One, two, three. Oh crap it's a good pop <laughs> <laughs> wasn't quite in sync but oh. cheers cheers to a great wine choice. Canned wine. Oh, God. It doesn't have uh, too much of a smell. It does have, like, a... It does have a gamey smell. A gamey aroma <laughs> to it. All right. Let's pour this. I was just gonna take my first sip out of the can. You are... Oh, that's actually quite mild and pleasant. I guess that's what Pigfoot tastes like, then. <laughs> Pigfoot tastes mild and pleasant. We're going on record. Bigfoot tastes mild and pleasant. But smells gamey. Mm. Yep. You know, I'm just going to keep drinking it out of the can. As it's meant to be drunk. Drank out of drunken. Yep. Words are a thing that I know little of. And why don't you uh, tell us more about Bigfoot? (laughs) All right. So we're talking about the Sasquatch. Broadly, we're talking about ape men. Which are large, hairy, muscular, ape-like beings, just in case you've been living under a rock for the past 50 years. I don't know your life. I don't judge. (laughs) The term Bigfoot started being applied in the mid-20th century after a bunch of new sightings in Northern California. And in the last 200 years, there have been over 10,000 sightings worldwide. That's a lot of big feet. In America, we have ancient tribal paintings depicting what appears to be a Sasquatch from around 500 AD. So this is not just a new thing happening. It's really old. This Uh, has been a thing for a while. mm Mm-hmm. 95% of sightings occur in Asia and North America, with the majority of these in high-altitude, heavy forested areas. There are some hot spots around the world in the Himalayas, islands of Indonesia, Central Asia, and the Pacific Northwest, especially British Columbia. Aren't you from British Columbia, Jill? I am from British Columbia. Do you know anyone who has ever seen a Sasquatch? You know what? I have seen a Sasquatch. Really? No. It's kind of disappointing. Yeah, you really got me excited there and then just dashed all my hopes. I do, however, know people who say they have seen Sasquatch. Really? Mm-hmm. My brother has a friend who has a father who lives up in Humboldt County, 
which is famous for Sasquatch sightings and weed. So, there's that. That's an interesting pairing. <laughs> Might be a bit of a correlation there. Mm. <laughs> so, I'm going to tell you a little bit about what the Sasquatch of North America apparently looks like. It is a bipedal being, which means it walks on two feet. Its skin is apparently black or brown or reddish brown or even gray. Well, this is its fur, right? Because no. it's covered in fur? No, 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 no. It's the color of its skin. I will get to the fur. You just wait. You just keep jumping to conclusions. Just wait. Okay, I'm just saying a lot of the, most of the research I did came with fur. Oh, I've got the fur. Okay. Can I continue? Go on. All right. Albino Sasquatches have been spotted, and they have pink skin. Pink? Like bubblegum? No, not like Pepto-Bismol pink. Like (laughs) pale pink. Are you just saying, like, albino as in medically albino? White? Super, super white? I'm saying albino as in the research I researched said albino Sasquatches have pink skin. I'm just... Picturing a Pepto Bismol. I don't think it's that pink. I think it's a pale pink. Still seeing Pepto Bismol. It's not Pepto Bismol pink. Okay. I don't know what you don't understand about pale pink. Because when I hear albino, I think of medically albino, which is devoid of pigmentation and super white. Are you looking it up? Yeah. Okay. Oh, here's an albino gorilla. Okay. But they have fur. Does the albino Bigfoot have fur, or is it just They skin? all have fur. Wait, no, they all have hair. Okay. I'm telling you because there's parts of their skin that show, and this is so frustrating <laughs> that you just can't seem to get that something can have both fur and skin underneath the fur. No, I understand that, but I'm thinking in terms of sightings... When people see Bigfoot, they're seeing its fur color, which has been reported in those same colors. I know. Okay, you know what? Just go on. Bigfoot's albino. There have been albino sightings. Anyway, their palms and feet have these thick pads um, that are made of fat and connective tissue, and they are of a lighter color Then, I guess, the rest of their skin color, not their fur color. Uh, They have hair, not fur, like most primates do, and humans. So they don't, they're not shedding their fur in winter. They lose their hair one at a time and regrow it one at a time. Like humans. Yes, like humans. Their hair color, um... Yes, it varies from black to brown to reddish brown to white and gray. You got that right. And as a Sasquatch ages, its hair begins to turn more gray like that of an older human. They have flat faces, broad cheeks, and a prominent brow. Males tend to be very hairy in the face and females not so much. Both Male and female Sasquatches have long hair around their groin, which obstructs any view of their genitalia. That's convenient. Mm. They keep it PG. (laughs) Females have breasts, 
which are entirely hairy except for the areola and the nipples. That's really weird. I'm just picturing right now a... Sasquatch breasts? A mostly hairless woman who just has hairy boobs except for the areolas and nipples, which aren't hairy. <laughs> Please tell me you're picturing yourself with very hairy boobs. No, I'm not picturing myself. I'm picturing a Bigfoot. But this Bigfoot is mostly hairless except for the tits. Yes. <laughs> you have a very strange way of picturing things. When people come into contact with Sasquatch, they often describe an intense odor similar to that of smegma. What does smegma smell like? I don't know. Sniff your vagina and tell me. Smegma is cum. No. dried. No. It can be on both male and female genitalia. Okay, wait. It's just a cheesy color, cheesy white discharge. You know, I really didn't want to go that much into smegma. I just didn't realize smegma had a sm- Why don't you just Google smegma and- Okay, I'm gonna Google smegma. Oh, okay, here we go. Smegma is a combination of shed skin cells, skin oils, and moisture. It occurs in both male and female mammalian genitalia. In female bodies, it collects around the clitoris and under the folds of the labia minora. In males, smegma collects under the foreskin. That's so sexy. <laughs> I'm glad we have this really long discussion about smegma now in our podcast. What seriously, what does smegma... Okay, there's a hat that says, I love smegma. There's t-shirts, too. <laughs> okay, well, that's lovely. Just... But- you know, imagine... Okay, I'm just gonna imagine it smells like a yeast infection. Okay. You go ahead and do <laughs> I can't picture anything else. You're not supposed to picture a smell. <laughs> I can't... There's no... Unless it's pie smell, which is just wafts of smell. <laughs> There's no metaphor for... Okay, imagine. I can't imagine... I forgot what we were talking about. Just go on. Okay. The odor is often described as being like a gorilla's apocrine sweat gland, which produces a gag-inducing odor when the gorilla is in distress. So this is in addition to smegma or different reports? Is it like the smegma combination with the gorilla smell? I think it's often described as that's why they smell. Oh, oh, I see. Okay. Okay. Bigfoots have a huge head, but the head is actually pretty small for its body size. And they have a brain that is probably the size of a gorilla's. Which is what? I don't know. Thank you for researching it. It's 9.1 billion neurons. That tells me jack shit. A human brain is 16.3 billion neurons. Okay. Well, thank you for that. Um, Bigfoots don't stand up perfectly straight. They have a bit of a haunch to them. They have very long arms, which hang down to their knees, and this look is accentuated by their slouching stance. 
They have very large hands with short, stubby fingers, and the thumb lacks the um, thenar pad, which is the muscle at the base of the thumb, and this indicates the level of opposability, so Bigfoots have a very low level of opposability. And I'm a, as I'm saying this, I'm not entirely sure how they got that close to the freaking hand. Yeah, a lot of this information is very specific, mm-hmm. as in you would be doing an autopsy or something in order to gather this information. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Their thighs and calves are huge. Um, from the source I was reading, it said that they were about the size, the diameter of a trash can. The thighs were... One thigh? One thigh was the diameter of cash. I was trying to imagine myself having trash can (laughs) size thighs, and all I could think of, that's a lot of chafing. (laughs) Good thing they don't wear bike shorts. Yeah. Um, Their average foot size is about 15.6 inches, but they have seen prints that range from 4 inches to 27 inches. To give you a little bit of context... I am a very tall, or what is considered tall. You're five foot eleven. I'm five foot ten, and my foot size is roughly ten point five inches. So if I you just imagine my foot with an extra five inches on it, and that's about the size. What of size shoe do you have? Ten and a half. And your feet are ten and a half inches. Mm-hmm. That's how foot is, size works. Is that how they do shoe sizes? <laughs> it's not like female pant size. <laughs> okay. Finally, a clothing size that makes sense. Right? <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, if you just add an extra five inches to my foot, you'll have the average size. It's about, like, that big. No one can see that. I know, but you can see it. So, like, this would be, like, the size of the biggest 27-inch. I think we need a different way to describe that. That's not, like, only what we can... Bigger than two feet. <laughs> two standardized 12-inch foots. Not random. No, not your feet. your tiny little feet. Two <laughs> standard measurement foot feet. 24 inches. 24 inches plus three inches. Yeah. Big ass feet. That's a big ass foot. Uh, and I would not like to get kicked in the ass by that foot. <laughs> right? That would live one... Yeah. Leave one hell of an aspirant. Yeah. Uh, their foot lacks an arch, so it's just very flat. It's the that is a primitive primate midsole kind of foot. They have an average height of around 7 feet 10 inches. Young Sasquatches have been seen to be about 3 to 4 feet. Um, and they reach maturity at 6 to 7 feet with the largest sighting being 10 feet. I have a question. Yes. How do they differentiate between a young Sasquatch and just a random, like, chimpanzee or gorilla? A young Sasquatch would be primarily upright, whereas a chimpanzee or gorilla would probably have to go back down to all fours. I see. So it's the the bipedal... It's the bipedal thing. Got it. That makes the Sasquatch... Their weight can be measured, by, I guess, by a formula that measures their chest circumference. And it's thought that the average weight of a Sasquatch is 650 pounds. The largest estimation probably for that 10-foot fucker was 1,000 pounds. So uh, 
if their thighs are the circumference of a trash can, mm-hmm. what are their chests like? Big. <laughs> I didn't get a number for the chest. It's big. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. Uh, this does kind of all sound a little bit like you would actually need a Bigfoot specimen, right? Yeah. So most of the information that I got, and definitely about their behavior, is from the Bigfoot Field Research Organization, and they have just a ton of info on that. And well, yeah, there's a each like each state has their own what is it called? Eight branch or what were you saying? Eight man. No. The BFRO has a branch in each state Mm -hmm. that does all this research. Oh, I did not know that. Anyways, I'm not entirely sure how trustworthy they are. I don't know their credentials. And I know they have a lot of sightings on their website that, and you can definitely, if you have seen a Sasquatch, you can go on their website and submit a sighting, I think. Mm Mm-hmm. So... I'm kind of thinking that maybe they just got most of their info from what people have said that they've seen. So, the people from the BFRO, I believe, have... They go out and they do their own research. Mm -hmm. And then people who submit sightings, they call them and do kind of a follow-up interview to see if there's any more information or if they can put the information together in a more cohesive way and then they compile the information into what you've basically described as scientific fact. See that's the issue that I take though because people can say pretty much anything and they do. So for example when we were doing our mermaid episode I was reading an article, and for some reason I decided to read the comments on that article, and one commenter said that they had a threesome with two mermaids. (laughs) (laughs) And that was in one comment. That solves the mystery of the genitals. And then in a prior comment, they also said that one had just tried to seduce them. Were these female mermaids? I'm assuming. Okay. But see, the issue is people say anything and obviously they're just looking for attention. So how do you differentiate between what someone's saying they saw and what somebody actually saw? I think the way the BFRO does it is they categorize these sightings based on is there visual evidence, is there auditory evidence, is it someone just talking out of their ass and... So it's like, I forget the exact terminology they use, but they kind of do like an A, B, C type of thing. If there's strong auditory or visual evidence, they classify it as a type A sighting. Mm -hmm. If there's like, maybe they caught something on recording or it sounds like a pretty legit sighting, it's type B. Or if it's just like a terrible story or there's not a lot of information... It could be made up, there's really nothing to substantiate it, then that's class C. Okay. That's kind of what I picked up from looking over all their different sightings. And I know that was my section, so I think I looked a little deeper into that breakdown than you did, but that's Mm -hmm. kind of 
what I picked up from them is they had all these different classifications for these submissions. Okay, well, that makes sense then. So I'm going to talk a little bit about their behavior. Bigfoot's not the BFRO. No, not, I don't know the BFRO's <laughs> behavior. <laughs> I did not do that kind of research. So Sasquatch definitely has nocturnal activity, but they don't have night vision. Apes, in general, don't have a reflective layer on their eyes that allow them to see in the dark. But it's possible that if they have larger eyes, that they could maybe be picking up more moonlight, and that that is how they see better in the dark. My understanding of how eyes work is that there's different rods and cones that pick up the different colors. So it's not the size, it's the amount and the types of rods and cones in the eyes that would determine night vision. Well, that may be it. I'm just reading to you what I found out. Okay. That's fair. John, ecology man? Hmm. What? Eyes. How do they work? Rods and cones. Rods and cones? So eye size has nothing to do with ability to pick up light. Eye size is extremely important in the ability to pick up light. There we go. I know it's important because you change the size of the pupils and you can absorb more light. So that's what I'm saying. But in terms of like being able to see in the dark, it's not necessarily... Because cats don't have enormous eyes, but they see in the dark. Relative to their body size, their eyes are very large. Also, they have a tapetum loose. What is it called? Tapetum lucidum. It's Latin and I'm butchering it. Do the Bigfoots have tapetum lucidum? I don't know. They'd have to get an eye sample. And nobody's gouged out a Bigfoot eye. (laughs) Essentially, if you... The way you would know is if there's some video of one or evidence of one of, like, you take a flash. With reflective eyes. Yeah, it's, you know... One of my sightings, I think, mentions reflective eyes. Okay, well, according to the BFRO, they don't have that reflectiveness to their eyes. But it's possible that they do have larger eyes, which allows more moonlight in and give them better night vision. Not true night vision, though. What about in a new moon? Maybe they just go and sleep all night. What do you want me to say? I've never seen a Bigfoot. I don't know. (laughs) I'm just trying to punch holes. This is all speculation. And yeah, stop punching holes in my section or I'm going to do the same to you and you're not going to enjoy it. I invite it. Punch as many holes as you'd like. That's probably because you do way more research than I do. Possibly. I love doing research. I know. Um, However, we do know that nocturnal activity is part of their lifestyle because most sightings occur at night. Mm -hmm. So Sasquatches have actually been observed swimming... Doing the breaststroke? Again, I'm not entirely (laughs) sure. I didn't see video, and they didn't say which stroke they were doing. Why do you need to know these such specific details? No, Jillian, he was doing the backstroke. I don't... I mean... The butterfly kick. (laughs) That was the only stroke I could remember. I think you're just hung up on their boobs. You are very hung up on breasts. Freud would have a lot to say about that. Okay. Well, the sightings of them swimming is backed up by their appearance on various islands off the coast of British Columbia. And this is really only notable because it's not very common behavior for primates to be good swimmers. It's more like a human trait. 
So that's why I wanted to clarify the type of swimming, because primates do wade. Yes, they wade. No, this is like actual swimming that people have apparently seen them do. Okay. So they're strong swimmers. They also are just, in general, very strong. They have been witnessed to throw large basketball-sized rocks to scare off intruders. Or it's funny how they always happen to have a basketball-sized rock. Well, I keep one on me at all times, don't you? I prefer the softball-sized ones. They're just easier to manage. Oh, well, you can't scare people off with a softball-sized rock. Mm, true. They also have a behavior that they do that's called tree-knocking. It's believed to be a type of communication which they do over long distances. And what they do is they take sticks or rocks and they whack them against other larger rocks or trees to create a knocking sound. They make two knocks, and if another Sasquatch is in the area, they will give another two knocks in reply. They may also communicate with various other sounds like whistles, hoots, hollers, grunts, roars, and screams. Question for the ecologist. Can primates whistle? They can like gorillas and chimpanzees they can have whistle lips. Right, but you have to be able to shape them in a specific way. I can't even whistle. <laughs> That's your problem. <laughs> I find that quite impressive that a chimpanzee could whistle and I can't. Yeah. Well, there's more than one way of whistling. Right. I mean, you could whistle through your teeth, I suppose, and You can also just make a whistling sound with your throat, which I used to do when I was like 5 years old because I couldn't whistle. Really? When I was five. That's impressive. I have since learned to whistle. Where the fuck are you at? <sighs> that's where I'm at. All right. That's where we're at. All right. <laughs> Sasquatches are also largely unaggressive, but they may act aggressive if they're provoked by a dog that is growling or barking at them. I guess it kind of scares them and they'll like maybe pick it up and throw it. Pick up the dog and throw it? That's what it said. See, in some of the things that I was reading, they were very curious about dogs, especially puppies, and were known to play with them. Well, I mean, maybe if the dog's friendly, but if the dog's, like, scared and barking and growling and wanting to bite at them, I would probably not pick up a dog and throw it, but I might swat at it. That's so sad. I don't want to get bit by a dog. Have you ever been bit by no. a dog that's really aggressive? It's not fun. I have been. Okay. I just went inside. <laughs> so a dog that is actually attacking you won't let you just go inside. I mean, it. they will chase you and continue biting at you. I got bit by a dog on the arm and I ran inside. Okay, well, I've been bit by a dog on the face. <laughs> I don't know why that's funny. It's just Story says. topper. <laughs> Most of their observed acts of aggression um, are more often for scaring people off or trying to get away from people, but they're not, there are no credible claims of people being outright attacked by Bigfoot within the last hundred years. They don't use tools aside from the tree knocking, which is just using a stick or a rock. There is no evidence that they make or use any or modify any stone tools. They do, however, make stick structures. Like houses? No, not like houses. Or not houses, but shelters? No, not necessarily, because it's not believed that they actually use these for sleeping, because all primates make, like, a nest, but they don't believe that they use these stick structures for sleeping. And what they look like is pretty much just a teepee kind of form with a couple, like, skinny trees coming together at a point. 
But what it's believed is that this is actually just a way of warning other males in the area that there is another male here and that they're trying to show their strength by breaking these trees and arranging them in this manner. (laughs) Why is that funny? I don't know. I just find in the animal kingdom, the male display of dominance is sometimes humorous. Well, yes. Like the birds, like, look, I can pick out all these pretty objects. And then with Bigfoot, it's like, look at how I can bend trees. I don't know. I find it funny. Yeah, I guess it is a little bit comical. And then you think of human men and it's like, I've got huge fucking muscles, brah. Yeah. <laughs> Look how swole I am, brah. <laughs> I do a good man impression, huh? You do. <laughs> so this is where I start to lose faith in the BFRO. Like, what I'm about to tell you is where I start really losing faith in them. Okay. People have observed small family groups, and this may be evidenced by groups of footprints together. Males are thought to be more solitary creatures, but females might travel with up to two children that are at least five years apart in age. Kind of like deer. Yeah. The babies will probably stay with their mothers until they're about ten years old, which is when they hit puberty. And then mating takes place during May and June, with birth taking place between February and May. How do they May. know this? Yeah, that's my thing. That is my <laughs> thing. How the fuck do you know this? Okay? Like, there is no solid, hard evidence of a Bigfoot creature. We have no bone DNA. We have no hair samples. We have There no... are hair samples. They, they quote, cannot quote. be verified, though. I'm guessing that maybe they're just... Making conjecture based off of primate behavior? Maybe. But, like, still, we have no verifiable evidence that Bigfoot exists. There's no video evidence that's, like, 100% this is absolutely a Bigfoot. Depends on who you ask. I know, but... So, I just don't see how they can have all of this information, especially about their mating and birth rituals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would just guess that they're trying to establish a culture and an identity in order to increase the buy-in, and they're using primate behavior as the basis for that. Maybe. That does seem more believable than they've actually seen this stuff. They've lived among them. Right. <laughs> Impersonated one of their children. Because they've see- they say that they've seen births. From squatting positions. Wait, what? They've seen Sasquatch births? Yeah, and they apparently they have birth from a squatting position. So the squatting Sasquatch? The squatting Sasquatch gives birth. Alright, this is where they lose me. This is where they lose me. Like, how do you freaking know this? And why did they not take a video? Right? You're watching a Sasquatch give birth. Birth. I mean, that's gotta take several minutes. That's Where's gotta be the camera? hard to fake. Where's the camera? Exactly. Okay, stepping off the... Anyways. <laughs> infant mortality is probably an issue because they're, you know, out in the wild. There's diseases and stuff. There have been two sightings of mothers carrying dead babies, and I'm not sure how they've realized that they were dead because what if they were just carrying sleeping babies? Um, did you take a pulse? (laughs) How do you know? Humans and their assumptions. Right? 
Because of the Bigfoot size, it's assumed that they only live about 35 years, dying mostly due to parasites and other diseases they might pick up from being exposed to the elements or eating raw meat that has a disease. Uh, yeah, okay. I mean, that one, that part seems logical. Yeah, I mean, humans before modern medicine didn't live, live as long. long as they live today, so, you know, I, I guess. Mm-hmm. So let's get into some logistics. First off, is it even possible for a species this large to exist undetected for so many years? I don't know, you tell me. Well, possibly is the short answer. So there's a new group of chimps called Billy Apes, which were finally caught on video in 2007 in Congo, Africa. Oh, I heard about these. Mm-hmm. It took a year to track them down, but the locals had known about them for a really long time and had lots of stories about them. They're biologically chimps, but they're, like, a lot bigger than most chimps, and they have distinctly different behaviors. For instance, they kill and even eat predators, like large predators such as lions. Really? Yeah. So they take down lions. Apparently and they can take down a lion. That's pretty badass. None, no one's ever seen them take down a lion, but they've seen huh. them eating lion carcasses. Okay, so maybe they found a dead lion and ate it. That's also a possibility. But, you know, if you think of the way human in, you know, the olden days. Humans, <laughs> ye olden days. <laughs> ye olden days. The way human groups would hunt down species. It's pretty impressive to mm-hmm. imagine a primate species doing that same behavior, hunting down uh, what would be a predator and taking it down. If they're hunting in large groups, I think it's totally possible because I've actually seen video evidence of lions themselves taking down large animals such as giraffes, which they don't normally go after because they are so much bigger than them and they can do a lot of damage. Yeah. Huh. That's very interesting. Yeah. So the second question that I needed to be answered was, would such a creature be able to survive and find enough food, especially in winter, because primates do not hibernate? They're not like bears that just fall into a food coma every winter. I wish I could fall into a food coma. I do it every time I eat. (laughs) So a large ape having enough food to survive in the winter in the Pacific Northwest isn't entirely out of the realm of possibility. If they are near the coast, they could possibly survive on berries and roots, um, fish or kelp and other seafood. This is because the Pacific Northwest on the coast doesn't get a lot of snowfall. Mm-hmm. So it's still a lot of vegetation throughout the year. Right. In the warmer seasons, they might be able to hunt ground squirrels, deer, or poultry. And if they're living further inland, provided they have a long enough intestinal tract and can absorb more nutrients that way, they might be able to survive on leaves, um, grasses, or even tree bark. They also may be able to survive in the winter by foraging through humid food storage places, like an outside freezer. Or or, eating people. No. Or going through trash cans. Do you have evidence of them eating people? Because I've never heard of them ever eating people. I think one of my stories might talk about that, 
but I've read so many, they're sort of blending together. Don't quote me on that. Do you want to talk about it now? Right. I In Native American folklore, there's some stories about human consumption. Really? Because everything I've been reading says that they're, like, non-aggressive. Most of the stories have them as being non-aggressive. Very seldom will there be stories of them being aggressive, violent, or... Cannibalistic? Well, I guess not cannibalistic, but, like... It could be cannibalistic because I do have some stuff that relates them more to hominid species versus primate. Alright, well, I mean, I guess that may be possible if they're, like, it's winter, they're starving, they're about to die, and maybe they see a human... there's stories of deer eating meat when it's available, so... Well, no, it's, it's known that there are, they are omnivores. Yeah, so... But... I'm just saying that it's possible that, I mean, I guess if it's, they're starving. And there's a camper nearby. Yeah. Not completely out of the realm of possibility that maybe, hey, I'm hungry. There's a person that I could probably kill. Yeah. I might eat that person. Makes sense to me. Anyways, they also may store their food to help them through winter by burying it underground for a brief period of time. Like a squirrel? Like a squirrel. <laughs> Well, I was thinking more of, like, short-term storage, not even long-term storage. It's, like, not storing all through winter, but, like, for, like, a couple days. Mm. Maybe. Okay. It is estimated that they would need about 5,000 calories a day, which I guess means that they're just spending all their time looking for food and not doing much else. That's not unreasonable, because if you think of, say, a six-foot male who is... Very athletic, very muscular. They're probably going to need three or 4,000 calories a day, depending on what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess it, an average-sized Sasquatch being, like, seven and a half feet tall, they're going to need a little bit more than just the standard 2,000-calorie diet. Which is just bullshit, but we don't need to go into that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't a health food podcast. No, do you want to do one of those? I could do one of those. I could freaking do one right now. Okay. So I'm going to talk a little bit now about the Patterson film. In 1967, Roger Patterson and Bill Gimlin took a horseback riding trip into the wilderness of Northern California, where they were able to get a short reel of footage of a large, hairy, bipedal creature as it was walking away from a river into a bush. This is kind of, um, for anyone who doesn't know the Patterson film, this is kind of the most popular, most reproduced footage also, of Bigfoot. Also most scrutinized yeah. video of Bigfoot. Yeah. So Patterson died in 72, still claiming that it was absolutely 100% real. And to this day, Gimlin also states that he was not part of any hoax, but he's also not one to really comment much about the video. Rumors of the video being a hoax, one of them came from one of Gimlin's neighbors who claimed that he was actually the man in the monkey suit playing the Bigfoot role. But he has also stated that he is just looking to make some money off the hoax. So, I mean, I don't know if that sounds... Really credible. (laughs) Sounds a little suspicious. A little suspicious. He's also not the only person to claim to have been in the Bigfoot suit, so somebody's lying. 
I don't think more than one person could do it. Maybe two people if one of them's sitting on the shoulders of the other person. Maybe they did multiple takes. Maybe. But then you've just got a giant group of people standing around in the back watching this video of They Bigfoot. gotta see who the best Bigfoot is. Right? Alright, it's a Bigfoot competition. <laughs> but even still, no one's been able to produce a suit that matches the Patterson video. Mm-hmm. So... Anyways, many people don't exactly trust Patterson himself. He was reported to have never had a real job, never wanted a real job. He's more of the inventor type. I'm thinking of just Belle's father from Beauty and the Beast. I'm thinking of that guy from Around the World in 80 Days. Yeah, that's a good one. But he actually made it Around the World in 80 Days. Well, maybe this guy actually actually did find a Bigfoot. That's a possibility. Uh, But before he did film the video of Bigfoot a year before he wrote a book about Bigfoot and on the cover there is a picture it looks exactly like the creature that he filmed so that's a little bit suspect Hmm. just a little bit unless he filmed it before he said he filmed it and then released the film later as kind of a publicity for the book Possibly, I'm not going to rule it out of the realm of possibility. Even still, since the film, reports of sightings have pretty much just skyrocketed and have been showing up in places that never really had any sightings before. So it's kind of this film that incited more sightings Basically. than were previously reported. Yeah, and, and they're showing up in places that n- no Bigfoot sighting has ever happened there before this film. So this could be sensationalism or it could be people saying, oh, it's more acceptable now. I can say this without being targeted as a crazy person. Or it could be misidentification. It's possible that people just, they think Bigfoot at every bump in the night. Right. Um, Every knock on the tree. Yeah. This is actually one theory of a ape man, the Florida skunk ape. It's a particularly stinky uh, version of a ape man <laughs> spotted in Florida and Louisiana. And this region is actually, it's tropical weather is very good uh, place for primates to live. But in 1970, keeping chimps as pets was very fashionable. So it's actually pretty possible that these Florida skunk apes are actually just escaped chimps that were in the wild, found each other, and then began breeding and creating a new population of chimps where one didn't exist before. Mm-hmm. That actually makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Because when these sightings came out, it was around 1960s, 1970s. Mm-hmm. So it kind of... The timeline really does match up with when monkeys were fashionable pets. Mm-hmm. But it's also possible that not all sightings are misidentifications. There may be a few different variants of ape men around the world. For instance, the Yeti, which is an ape man that supposedly lives over 9,000 feet above sea level in the Himalayas. Okay. In 1951, a climber named Eric Shifton was about 20,000 feet above sea level when he came across a set of giant ape-like footprints. And I'm going to um, post a link up on our website, but to describe it, it's the big toe. It's a huge, and it's divergent from the rest of the foot. It kind of separates away. 
Uh-huh. And the second toe is also very large, um, which could be natural or it could be an injury. But if it is a fake, it would seem very unlikely that someone would think to add an injury into the footprint. The real issue with the Yeti is that this is a frozen tundra. It's not a lush tropical environment where you would normally see primates or apes living. However, there are... Do you know where he was climbing? He was climbing the Himalayas. I don't know which part of the Himalaya, but it was in the Himalayas. Okay. So there are um, a type of monkey called snow monkeys or the Japanese macaques. And they live in an altitude of 10,000 feet and survive in negative 4 degrees Fahrenheit. It's possible that if the Yeti did survive in the Himalayas, it would probably live in the more lowerland forests surrounding the mountains and only really traverse across the snowfields. It could also survive by scavenging and feeding itself from abandoned carcasses killed by other predators. Or climbers that... Don't quite make it. Or climbers that fall into a glacier and, you know, the Yeti finds them a and eats glacier. them. A glacier. A glacier. You say it the fancy way. <laughs> Hold on, I'm trying to get some more canned wine here. I'm going to open up another can of this. You know, it's not too terrible. I thought it was going to be way worse than what it actually is. You know, it's actually quite decent. It's... I mean, I'm not going to serve this at a party ever. I would. Okay. Two types of people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to actually pour it into my glass, though, so... Because, um, I'm struggling not to make the can sipping sound. Anyways, there is also another ape man called Mande Barung that lives in the Garo Hills of northern India. Um, and it's said to be very similar to the Yeti. And it's actually only 300 miles away. So it's possible that they're actually just the same species, but adapted to slightly different climates. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. A thousand miles away from that in China is another ape man called the Yeren, found in the mountainous forests of central China. They have had 200 sightings from the last few decades alone, but hmm. stories of the Yeren go back to about 200 BC. So the reports of the sightings have gone up in the last few decades. Yeah. But the actual sightings have been around for a while. Yes. Okay. And it's also described as being very similar to the Yeti and Mende Barung. So could also be the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, if they did indeed exist, the prevailing theory, if they're not the same species, is that they are linked to a giant ape ancestor called Gigantopithecus. The largest, it's the largest known ape species um, to have ever existed, and it's possible that it went extinct 100,000 years ago in southwest China, meaning it would be around during the Stone Age of Man. Yeah, during the Ice Age. Yes. Or gone extinct during the last Ice Age. No, the last Ice Age was actually only around 12,000 right. years Sorry. ago. It would have gone extinct during one of the Ice Ages. Right. Gigantopithecus stood almost... So, there were there were different genuses of Gigantopithecus, but the one that's most commonly associated with Bigfoot is Gigantopithecus blackie. Okay. And 
I actually have a a little picture here mm. that compares the size Holy of a, shit! a human to Gigantopithecus blackie. And basically the picture and we can post this That's on the like blog a as half well. A human taller than an actual human. It's twice the size of a human. It's super big. Wow. Um so they stood almost ten feet tall and would weigh between twelve hundred pounds to thirteen hundred pounds. Although the size is debated and that could be, you know, the difference between the that could be the different genuses. Mm-hmm. But there are fossil records of Gigantopithecus found in primarily in Asia. Mm-hmm. So Gigantopithecus was a real thing. Oh yeah, they actually had teeth of Gigantopith- Gigantopithecus, which they called dragon's teeth, and it was used like as an apothecary ingredient. In Asia? In Asia, yes. Huh, that's cool. Not actually dragon's teeth, it was monkey teeth, but... <laughs> right. So, it does make sense, you know, humans would have witnessed Gigantopithecus. Mm-hmm. And this kind of goes into one of the the whole theories around what Bigfoot is. Mm-hmm. It's a myth. <laughs> <laughs> so, hominid species would have existed alongside Gigantopithecus. Yes. And early hominids recorded their history via oral traditions. Or mm-hmm. they, they passed down story after story verbally to the next generation, which I've actually heard is a very reliable way of passing down information because back then it was made sure that the story was recited correctly. Right. And so these stories could have continued to be passed down even after Gigantopithecus went extinct. Mm-hmm. You know, after different populations traveled to North America and the population started growing in North America, those same oral traditions continued to be passed down of this enormous primate creature. So it makes sense, and this is actually one of my favorite theories of Bigfoot, is that it comes from this oral history of Gigantopithecus, and just this entire folklore was constructed around it. Mm -hmm. And maybe even... When European explorers started invading their land, they started telling these stories of Gigantopithecus to scare them off. So I love how you call it invading because most white people would say it's colonization, quote unquote. But you're like, no, it's invading. It was totally invading. It was invasion. But it was yeah. definitely invading. You, you don't sugarcoat that shit at all. <laughs> No, but maybe they told these stories like, yeah, there's this giant freaking ape thing with ape arms and... That is an interesting theory. And it's, I guess, yeah, it's totally possible. The theory that I have about Gigantopithecus is that it was actually a descendant of the giant ape that crossed the land bridge between Siberia and Alaska. the, The Bering Strait. The Bering Strait land bridge. That is, if in case you're wondering and Googling it right now, it is now underwater. It only appears when there is an ice age and enough ice is locked up that the water levels are low enough for it to appear. Isn't the land bridge also just a theory, though? It's not actually confirmed? Well, no, because 
recorded history has not been around during an ice age to confirm it, but it is a pretty... Like, it's a solid theory. It's a solid theory. There but is, it is still a theory. There is more shallow water in that area. Mm-hmm. That if the water levels went down enough, that the land bridge would be an actual piece of land. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's still... Still therein exists the issue of you have various hominid species crossing the land bridge and say you have these giant ape species crossing the land bridge. Why do we have evidence of the hominids but not the giant apes? Yeah, that's true. Anyways, another possibility is that the Sasquatch isn't an ape at all, but in fact a prehistoric human. What's recently being discovered is that early humans and Neanderthals were not the only bipedal hominids to exist at the same time period. In fact, a number of new hominid species are being discovered and identified all over the world. Like the Hobbit people, which is Homo floresiensis, on the islands of Flores in Indonesia. They have fossils that date back only 10,000 years. And these are pretty short people that probably... They were hobbits. Yeah, they were very short. They probably lost their height because they live on an island, they have no natural predators, and in that kind of environment, being especially tall and big is not necessarily great for survival. Did they lose their height, or did they just not get taller? Either or. I don't exactly know. Okay. Um, And a little ways away on the island of Sumatra, there are local stories of a three-foot-tall wild man that they call Orang Pendek, and it's believed that this is possibly a remnant of Homo floresiensis still alive today. So according to Cliff Brockman... Who's Cliff Brockman? He is this guy that has been involved in History Channel's Monster Quest. Oh, I haven't watched the show. Okay, so basically he kind of started doing this thing. I'll talk more about it, about him and Todd Standing. But basically he was involved in Monster Quest and he's doing this whole Orang Pendic project to try and discover evidence. Mm -hmm. And they decided that Orang Pendic isn't associated with Homo florensiensis at all. Really? Because of the difference in the big toe. Do explain, because this is entirely opposite of what I found out. So when you compare footprints of orang pendic and the fossils of foot bones from Homo floresiensis, the structure is too different for them to be one and the same species. The orang pendic's big toe is divergent from the rest of the toes, and in Homo florensiensis, the is big... Is this t- kind of like the Yeti footprint? Yeah, so what you were saying with the big toe kind of being, like, separate mm-hmm. and offset, with the Homo florensiensis, the big toe is basically in a straight line with the other toes more similar to Regular a, feet. a Homo sapiens footprint. Mm-hmm. So that's why they kind of debunked the whole orang pendic as this offshoot of... Homo florensiensis. Oh. That's what Cliff Brockman has come up with. Well, he makes me look like an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think it should be noted that Cliff Brockman is by no means a singular expert. You know, the... 
Oh, I thought type... you were going to say he's not an expert, and I was going to say, well, that makes me look, make him look like an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he does have a background in this research, and he is off in Indonesia, actually, doing the research, so. Damn it. It's fair. So that's kind of, I, I believe, I want to say he's a cryptozoologist, but I could be wrong. That sounds about right, how you would sum up someone who's searching for evidence of something that may or may not exist. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I guess I'll continue then. So, I guess the theory that has been debunked of a wild man being the remnants of an ancient hominid... I could talk about Dr. Weecroft right now. Well, hold on. Because I want to talk about another um, hominid species... So, Homo heidelbergensis. Recent findings show that while they were thought to have gone extinct 250,000 years ago, they may have actually still been roaming around Asia only 12,000 years ago? Yeah, the stuff that I found has placed them at extinction 10,000 years ago. Wow, that's 2,000 years difference. Yeah. (laughs) That's a lot of difference between 200,000... And 10,000. No, the, I think it was, they originally thought 250,000 years ago, and men then found another bunch of bones that dated mm. earlier. Got it. But this puts them around pretty much exactly at the time of the last ice age, when the Bering Land Bridge would have been accessible, and when humans crossed into America. Mm-hmm. And some of the sightings of North American Sasquatch sound to me, more like they described, like, they were describing a Neanderthal-like creature instead of just, like, a monkey. Mm-hmm. Um, so, real quick, ho- I almost said Hobo Heidelberger. <laughs> this is two cans in. Um, ho- I'm still on can one. Jeez, get on my level, Kim. Homo, I need this word in front of me. Homo Heidelbergensis. I've, Homo... Heidelbergen... Okay. Homo... Homo... <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. I'm trying to avoid clicking on my laptop. Sounds like I peed. <laughs> you really had to click your can on the glass there. That's how I pump my gas, too. They give it a little shake. Make sure I get everything. Two shakes for good measure. If it's three, you're playing with yourself. (laughs) Okay. I can say this word. Homo heidelbergensis. Explain what this is. It's an early hominid. Right. But in comparison to Neanderthals versus Homo sapiens... They used tools. They were fairly intelligent. possible, yeah, that they had um, some sort of quote-unquote culture to them. They buried their dead. Possible, yes. The reason I'm bringing this up is because if we are to go along with this theory, then... That I haven't even stated yet because you interrupted me. Sorry, do you want to go go for it? Go for it. I've lost where I am. I don't even remember where I was. Go for it. I'll wait. So, yes. Homo heidelbergensis is the largest known example of an ancient human humanoid-like creature. They were like seven feet tall on average. On average, they were actually six and a half feet tall. 
But it actually is possible they could have gotten much larger than just this. Mm -hmm. That's just the largest sample that they have. And I guess the theory is that it's possible that Homo heidelbergensis has some human-like cultural practices like burying their dead. And this could be why there are... If the Sasquatch is actually a descendant of Homo heidelbergensis, this could be why there's no Sasquatch remains that have ever been found. Because Um, they would have buried them. Yes, because they would have buried them. They have a larger brain, by which I mean they have larger than primate brain, but not as large as human brain. And this could be why they're good at hiding. They would have seen humans as competition and then maybe have learned to hunt only at night and become active at night when human activity is at its lowest. Mm -hmm. So Heidelbergensis has thicker bones than humans, meaning they would need larger muscles to be able to move those bones as easily as humans do. This would have given them increased strength and can actually explain their, like, Sasquatch's fast speed. It's Mm -hmm. been thought that Sasquatch's average speed could be around 30 miles per hour up to bursts of 40 miles per hour. That is really fast. That is really fast. Although the fastest human sprinters are at, like, what, 27 miles per hour? I don't don't know what the the record is, but... I think if I'm quoting average. the... I think if I'm quoting, right, it's the fastest human sprinters was 27 miles per hour. That's after a lot of training, though. Yes, that is after a lot of training. What you're talking about is, like, Their bears and yes. horses. But this, this, is, this would become possible if they have larger muscle mass, especially in their legs. It's just interesting because four-legged animals are generally faster than two-legged animals. Yes. So for them to be able to run at 40 miles per hour with only two legs is really That's fast. That's what their top speed would probably be. That's I mean, Their even... average speed would probably be about 30 miles per hour. Mm. I mean, still, it's Yes, it is fast. still fast. Yeah. This is also, if Homo heidelbergensis is actually Sasquatch, then this may actually also explain their attraction to human women. Do they have an attraction to human women? According to some tribes in the uh, Pacific Northwest, they do. And when a woman is visiting tribal land and there is supposedly a Bigfoot present, the woman might actually be escorted to their car or made safe and given extra protection. And there are actually some tribal legends of women having children by the Sasquatch. The child never really lives long um, because they grow too fast, which sounds painful. But they're also mentally slow and unable to learn language. And I guess this isn't as far-fetched as it may sound because early humans were able to mate with Neanderthals. And many people today still actually carry um, Neanderthal DNA. Yeah, I mean, as long as you're the same, I think, species and within a similar genus, you can crossbreed. Well, Neanderthals and humans are not considered the same species, but also... But they're the same genus, right? Yes. Horses and... What is it? Zebras. No. Horses and mules? Or horses and donkeys can procreate... Donkeys. So, yeah, horses and donkeys can procreate and create a mule, and the mule itself is sterile uh-huh. and can't create other mules, 
So it's if you're within the same genus, you could potentially procreate, even if you're not the same species. Potentially, yes. That makes sense. You have to be very close, though. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Horses Horses and donkeys have the same number of chromosomes. No, horses and donkeys have different numbers of chromosomes, and when they procreate to create a mule, that mule has, what, the difference of the two? Uh, Average. The, The average of the two, and therefore can't really procreate itself. The meiosis is messed up. You sound so smart because all of this stuff is going to be cut out. And I am just, just repeating gonna... everything John is telling me right now. Kind of like I was with the cloaca. Exactly. <laughs> By the way, chickens have a cloaca. We, we get to sound so much smarter than we actually are. Yeah. I love it. It's great. <laughs> Anyways. So the official stance of the scientific community is that the Sasquatch is a myth. And nothing more than maybe tribal legends breathed into life by numerous hoaxers and frightened campers that see basically what they want to see. Because of this belief, there's not really an extensive there's not really an extensive scientific expedition or study taking place to confirm or deny the existence of Bigfoot. Aside from the BFRO, As, uh, yeah, but I mean, how many scientists, quote unquote, PhDs, do they have? Yeah, there actually are multiple, I mean, I don't have a number, but there are multiple people with PhDs who decide to go into the Bigfoot hunting. Cliff Brockman is one of them. Okay. I believe he has a PhD. Well, he hasn't produced any hard evidence. He is on Monster Quest. <laughs> <laughs> That's not hard evidence in itself. There's no bones that have ever been found. Mm-hmm. There's no hair that has been confirmed. There's no video that can be confirmed or picture that can be confirmed. Fun fact. There actually is a woman who claims she has linked Bigfoot evidence to human DNA. Well, we'll get to that in a second. But anyways, what I'm saying is that there's no hard evidence, but there's no hard evidence that the creature couldn't exist either. So, Mm -hmm. I guess, until proven otherwise... Innocent until proven guilty. Yeah, there's something out there, maybe. Maybe. You know, I kind of believe that there might be something out there. I kind of like the idea that it is an ancient hominid, because I like the idea that maybe... So, for millions of years, humans existed with other kind of human-like creatures, right? Why now? So, what you're saying is there's... There were multiple species of hominid who were existing at the same time. Yes. And it's, and yeah, and that was kind of the norm for millions of years, or at least thousands of years. And so now it's only recently that human homo sapiens are the only hominids. Mm Mm-hmm. Maybe not. I like that idea. I think, well, we'll get to our favorite theories at the end here. Okay. Real quick, the whole evidence of Bigfoot being connected to real humans. Mm -hmm. So basically, this uh, Melba Ketchum chick. Melba, is that Ash Ketchum's sister? (laughs) Just to bring Pokemon back into it, like we're going to do every episode. Apparently. (laughs) She claims to have analyzed a bit of Sasquatch DNA. Okay. And... 
it indicates that the North American Sasquatch is a hybrid species of human and some other homo DNA. <laughs> <laughs> that is not... You're not trying to be um, homophobic, I understand, but it just sounds so homophobic right there. <laughs> this is me reading a website while I'm drunk and talking at the same time. <laughs> so basically, Ketchum claimed that she had entire genomes from Sasquatch samples that basically showed that Sasquatch DNA was identical to modern homo sapien DNA. Well, actually, that does make sense because there is a theory that it that the Sasquatch may own, may actually just be humans that are going through a shamanistic trial, which... And they grow a lot of hair. Well, they the shamanistic trial states that they have to spend a considerable amount of time away from all humans and all, like, interaction with people and spend at least ten years in the forest alone. And if they're doing that, then yes, they would probably grow long hair. They also may cover themselves with moss to keep warm, which could maybe explain the furry appearance. Why didn't you talk about this? Because I briefly skimmed this and I thought, I don't know enough about this and this is a Native American culture and I don't want to like sound like an asshole. No, this is so interesting and it's so relevant. <laughs> okay. So yes, it may actually be just uh, a shamanistic humans ritual. going through a shamanistic ritual. I don't know the exact tribe this is linked to, so forgive me on that. I I actually really like that. Okay, so back to Ash Ketchum's sister. So it's kind of impossible to validate her claims because she has refused to share the samples that she has. She's kind of kept those under wraps. Then obviously it's a fake. I mean, maybe she's just very protective. But basically she's saying that the Sasquatch ancestors, whoever they might be, had sex with women approximately 15,000 years ago, and that created, like, a half-human, half-Bigfoot, half-breed. And Half-breed! <laughs> Sorry. Let me sing a little share for a minute. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Go on. And, and so that's why the sample she has have the Homo sapien DNA is because of that crossbreeding, but still, she hasn't shared her yeah, samples. Yeah, I'm sorry, honey, if you're not going to share your samples, then you are talking out of your ass, and you are not credible. Share your fucking samples. And then we'll listen. Yes. And then we will take you seriously, Ash Ketchum's sister. <laughs> so, depending on how long this ends up being, we will pick this up next time with a collection of sightings and stories and also we will solve the mystery of is bigfoot real or not are we really gonna solve this mystery because i i don't know kim we're gonna solve the mystery the way all the tv shows solve the mystery which is basically starting the tv show by saying we're gonna solve this mystery and then ending with what do you think oh um, a non-committal answer basically okay got it sounds good so yeah we're gonna solve the mystery <laughs>
<laughs> Catch us next time on This Myth Again. Good night, everybody. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of This Myth Again. If you did and can spare a minute to give us a rating, we would really appreciate it, and it helps other people find us. If you want to send us a message, give us feedback, or just send us your hate mail, you can email us at thismythagainpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at MythThis, that's myth underscore this. And for additional content, you can check out our blog at thismythagain.blueberry.net, that's dot B-L-U-B-R-R-Y dot net. Special thanks to our producer John for technical support, and thanks also to Dan Pegler for working on our logo. Hopefully we'll be able to share that with you all soon. Thanks so much for listening. Catch us next time.